0: sessions where we're going to, um, one, talk big vision stuff around who we are, and then secondly, we're going to speak into how do we steward this space well? How do we make sure our Sundays um, from day one are the best possible Sundays we can make them? And uh, when we get there, you'll see it's not pure aesthetics and uh, trying to um, get slick and sexy. It's about how do we steward God's work in in our church, and so we'll get there. But um, I suppose... Uh, I just feel this prophetic sense of God wanting to show us his kindness. I feel this prophetic sense of God wanting to remind us as individuals as families that he 's very kind and uh, sometimes we do get in ruts in life where um, we lose touch with maybe god isn 't as miraculous as we thought he was and next we 're sharing something around um, where Jesus calls Peter to step out of the uh, onto the water and um, we often look at that as, you know, God is powerful and he can do miracles and he can calm the storms in our lives. But one of the amazing things about that story is that actually Peter believed that God could do another miracle. He, he, there was something astounding about the fact that stepping out onto the water wasn't God calms storms. Stepping out onto the water was that God in your or my life could perform another miracle of calming my storm, our storm, that, that to walk into a world where there is a God who loves to do you good, who when you're walking towards a storm could calm your or my storm. It's, it's what differentiates people who call themselves atheists from, from us. We believe there is a living God who as you're moving towards life and you're seeing storms all around you and maybe clouds are brewing on the horizon, there is a God who says, walk towards me, the water will be calm, you can step out, something will happen, and uh, we live in a dynamic, moving world with a dynamic God who loves to break in, and I just felt this prophetic sense that we need to keep reminding ourselves, God is not a formula, if you get a good venue, if you get a cool space, then things will keep working out, and this is just symbolic of, you know, the formula working well for us, no, no, it's a living God with a real Father who is really fathering us, and He's really fathering you. You. Sound good? We're going to need to work on this feedback thing because I'm feeling so distant. I feel like, uh, yeah, anyway. And, um, and, and I think that's some of the things I also felt just to, to launch off with is that um, we're moving from table view, which forced so much of the stuff of the gospel. It, it forced us into uh, teaming and serving. It forced us into making sure the stuff of the gospel, like authenticity and humility, and community, all the stuff that we were, you know, we didn't have a lovely cafe. We were all stuck in one space. We finished the meeting, and the acoustics were bad, so you had to lean really close. And so you know what most of the people in the church's breath is really like, so that you could actually hear them. There was so much going on in that church that forced healthy community. And I feel this burden as I'm singing and enjoying God, that we really fight to hold on to the stuff that Table View put deep inside of us. And um, I actually wanted, and we're going to keep it interactive, I want us just in pairs to pray some of those prayers very briefly, just with a person if you're comfortable, if you're not, that's fine, pray under your breath, but just get with someone next to you and just some of the things that you valued, that God did with us, that we need to hold to as a value. Just pray for that, say God, community, God, authenticity, God, families together, we're putting kids a little further, we want to still value that all those things. Just pray together, one quick prayer each, something you valued, and say, God, may we hold this thing, because I and myself can't keep it. It's a team effort, so go for it, pray that, and uh, I'll interrupt you quite shortly. wind those down? Lord, we pray that that would be the stuff we value. Values are held in our hearts and in our actions, not in a space. And I pray that we would take the things we value into this space and into this new season. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak about hunger for a bit. In my first session, I want to talk about hunger. And um, I heard a leader once say this quite recently. He said... He's not looking for people who simply believe what he believes. He's looking for people who are hungry for what he's hungry for, and I love that because something that moves forward with power and with uh, conviction is not about a group of people who say we really like good weather. So, you know, let's all hang out in good weather. It's it's directionless. It's it's about people who are hungry for the same thing, who want the same stuff. And you can believe all the same stuff maybe about Jesus, but unless you're hungry for Him, we might find ourselves not necessarily moving forward in our own maturity. I had the the sad and adrenalizing experience the other day of getting on one of our WhatsApp uh, security groups and uh, basically what happened was there was a guy who jumped over our neighbor's wall and tried to, or did, steal one of her bicycles. So the neighborhood watch kind of, or not watch, it's just our WhatsApp security group, Uh, a few of us say, okay, I'm home, I'll get in my car, and we start driving around, searching for a person who's walked away with a bike, and um, my adrenaline's pumping, and I'm quite excited, because it doesn't feel too risky, it was like, you could just see in the one little CCTV photo, this guy did not look dangerous at all, so, you know, I'm driving around, looking, 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 and uh, eventually, we did find the guy, we did get the bike back, it was like, such a satisfying 20 minutes of my life, really was cool, (laughs) and, um, I sort of reflected on it afterwards, and the one thing was just like, wow, that was fun. I wouldn't mind doing stuff like that more often. And uh, the second thing I realized was that this guy was hungry. He was probably hungry for food, right? He, he was probably also just uh, uh, hungry for maybe something like, I don't know, maybe he's addicted to something, and he was going to sell the bike. Maybe he needed the bike to get to his necklace. The point is he was desperate enough to climb over someone's wall and risk prison or whatever else he was going to get, in terms of punishment. He risked something to get what he wanted because he knew he needed it that badly. He was hungry. He was hungry to the point of taking great risk at the expense of certain things that was going to come his way. So much of the New Testament is filled, in fact the Old Testament as well, with men and women who are hungry to the point of taking great personal risk for the purposes of of God. Their hearts speak like Nix's uh, read earlier in, in Psalm 42. "As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? There's this longing to know God better. I would preach the same vision talk if we were staying in Tableview, by the way. This is is about us as a people saying, who are we becoming? What do we value? What's most important to the psalmist? It's to know God, to be with God, to experience God. I'll explain more theologically what I mean by that, because I don't mean just prolonged worship sessions forever. I mean a knowledge of God that permeates everything. The psalmist in Psalm 84 says, O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Where's your hunger today? What's occupying your dominant desire space? What in your heart are you longing for more than anything else? I know we live in such a busy and distracting world that our hunger gets diversified across so much stuff that to be a Christian is increasingly difficult. There are so many things out there that are trying to make us want them more than God. We live in a marketing world. We live in an attention economy where everything is fighting and bidding for your attention. And yet we live in a world where God says, I am best for you. And the best posture of your heart is a posture of hunger, longing for God. Psalm 27, to keep pushing home my case. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Knowing the presence of God it's a bit like running. I say running all the time. But you go for your first jog and you think, that is the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> to pray your first prayers feel clumsy. To To get back into a hunger for God's presence feels sometimes awkward and difficult. It is. Going for your first three runs become difficult. But suddenly, you hit a little tipping point where once you, you you thought running was awful. Till suddenly, it's often midway through your run, and maybe you look at your watch and you go, "I'm going quicker than I once did," and it's working. My training is working, and there's a there's a sweetness about the way that my legs are moving that that there wasn't six weeks ago, and you feel something surge inside of you that says, "It's working." On a cosmic, universal level, the presence of God is that for our souls. It's that pursuit of knowing God, of of being with Him, of experiencing His goodness in every aspect of life, that when you begin to infuse Him more and more into your life, it becomes adrenalizingly addictive to the point that you can't stop wanting more of God. And I want that for us. I want that for you. I want you to know more than anything else that God infused in your work, God infused in your thought life, God infused in your social media, God infused in every aspect of how you spend your time is what you need best. And the more you learn to do it, the more joyful it becomes. And I, I am trying to avoid and, and, and push back on bumper sticker theology that says, I, I just put a sticker on everything. That says, you know, if I go to work and I I have a pencil that says uh, Psalm 23 on it, then I've got God in my workspace. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God in our hearts, God in our attitudes, God's in the way that we do things. I don't know if you remember, uh, Jesus talks about the greatest commandment, and uh, they, they ask him, they say, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he answers them, he says, come on, let's hear a little louder. The acoustics are meant to be great in here. Love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. The answer is actually, that's not all he says. Do you know that? He stands up and he says, the first thing he says before he says that, he says, behold. He quotes an ancient Israelite uh, thing called the Shema, which they've been quoting forever. And he says, behold, behold, the Lord our God is one. Then he goes, colon. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is a crucial part of what it means to love God's presence, to to be hungry for God. Because what this means is it breaks the dichotomy of God is only there on Sundays. God is only interested in the the sort of so-called spiritual religious stuff. Because that Shema was a statement to the world around them which had an idol or a temple for everything that happened. So the chartered accountants had a temple that was dedicated to making sure that accounts worked out well and the teachers had a temple to education and basically and more realistically, there was an agricultural God and there was a different God for uh, your fertility and your success and life and all those different things and you would go make sacrifices to all those different gods. And the Shema was to say, if you're gonna love the Lord your God with all your heart, you need to understand that there is one God. Not multiple gods over multiple things. There is one God over your business, over your family, over your marriage, over your plans for your future, over your singleness. One God rules over all of them, and he's interested in fusing himself into every aspect of them. This is so fundamental. So when the psalmist is writing and he's saying, better is one day in your courts. I long to know you. It's to know the God that is the God of everything, not just the God of everything the church meeting, not just the God who gives me gooey feelings on a Sunday, not just the God who makes me feel like I love myself better, who makes me feel more happy to be in the world. This is the God who rules and reigns and deserves to have a say in all aspects of who we are and how we do life, and that is what I'm hungry for. I'm hungry to be a church and a person who represents the love and the mercy and the wonder of God deep into my heart and then well into the world. But there is a kind of picture I think that we're experiencing, and I don't want to overplay the analogy of um, the Israelites who wandered in the desert for a while, and then through Joshua, they moved into the promised land, which is a beautiful story. And um, in some ways, it feels like it's not wrong to, to say we've moved into a new space, and it's Better and it's favorable and it's good, and there's lots we can do. And so, I want to read uh, the commands that Joshua gets just before he is called into the promised land. He's going to lead the people of Israel. They've been wandering in the desert for 40 years, and now God says, Cool, you guys are going to go. You're going to go take the land that I've planned for you for a long time. It's about to become yours. And um, I want to describe the kinds of things that maybe we ought to be hungry for as we look at the story of Joshua moving into. The Promised Land. Okay? So here we go. It's a bit of a long one. If you've got your Bibles open, Joshua chapter one, if you've got on your phones, um, try catch up with me, but obviously there it is. How are those screens? Pretty cool, hey? We might even have another one behind us um, in time to come. So there's three projectors for those who are interested in that sort of thing. After the death of, death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, "'Moses, my servant, is dead. "'Now then, you and all these people "'get ready to cross the Jordan River "'into the land I'm about to give to them, "'to the Israelites. "'I'll give you every place where you set your foot, "'as I promised Moses. "'Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon "'and from the great river, the Euphrates, "'all the Hittite country, "'to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. "'No one shall be able to stand against you "'all the days of your life. "'As I was with Moses, so I will be with you.'" Presence. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. And jumping down to verse 16 for time's sake. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. I'm not Joshua, by the way, and I'm not going to tell you to obey me. One, only, may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. That one we will institute, though. If you disobey, you will be put to death. Some nervous laughs. I'm not joking. Um, So... So here we've got this lovely story of Joshua who is taking the people. And uh, in the New Testament, it's it's predominantly interpreted that Jesus is the true and better Joshua. It's Jesus who takes us into our inheritance. It's Jesus who is the strong leader who sacrifices himself for the good of others to move into their promised land and to their inheritance. Um, And yet we can learn a lot from the leadership that God gives Joshua in how we maybe want to move into our next season, what I would call our inheritance, that God allots, He apportions an inheritance for people. He he allots things for us in our lives that we, as we are faithful to God, we are able to walk into more. There's a kind of reaping and sowing. Yes, our inheritance in heaven, our salvation is secured in Jesus, but our faithfulness as we walk with God, as we listen to Him, as we as we do what he calls us to do, means we get to enjoy a a kind of inheritance, a a taking what God wants to give us. Uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3 says that we're called to take that which God has already won for us. Jesus has won an inheritance. Our task is to take it, to, to actually live into it by obeying and following Jesus. What are we hungry for in 2020? What can we learn from the story of Joshua? We've got four words that we as elders feel prophetically like God has put in our hearts that we can take into 2020 as our new season. First word is this, is presence. Presence. That that our future is one filled with presence. The myth of, of secular society, and I want to show you a little graph, says this, less presence equals more progress. The less uh, religion and faith that there is in the world, the secular myth says this, the world will move towards a kind of human utopia. That's what we need to do in the world, says the secular thinker. And it's one of the things that have sort of got onto the street. If you ask a sort of secularized person who's got no sort of thought for Christianity, they will basically say, if we could eradicate from the world religion and faith, the world will be a much better place. We're evolving, and we used religion for a season, but religion no longer has its place in the world. It now needs to be subsided by a much more humanistic thinking whereby we all can educate each other, and we can live happily, and we'll move and progress into a human utopia. That's, that's one of the sort of street-level thoughts that got from the universities into our basic thinking as secular human beings. And really, more and more, that's going to become a Western mindset. We are sort of still on the fringes of that, and that's not necessarily permeated Sunningdale entirely. But I want you to know that it's coming, and it's coming faster than we think. But the bottom thing says, actually, there's a different view, says the Scriptures, That actually to to move forward as a people is to go from Eden where we sinned and suddenly lost the presence of God to actually moving towards God's future where Revelation speaks about an unadulterated, uh, beautiful, exceeding, abundant sense of God's presence. To actually progress as people is to know and enjoy more of God's presence. That's the Christian conviction. It's to know that God more and more infuses himself into more and more. The pictures in Revelation of the eternity to come is where this river of God's life and his presence are flowing through the center of the city and everyone is drinking from it. Our future is one infused with more and more of God as we realize how much he wants to presence himself with us. That's the, the wonder of the, 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 the Christian hope is that more of God is our future, not less of God. And yet we, we do live in this crossover of two worlds where it feels like there are some who are saying less of God would be better, less religion, less of this stuff, less believing in a transcendent kind lover who gives us his own son so that we can live. That, that stuff is just, it's becoming more popular. And so our conviction is that God wants to be with us. Verse five, um, the Lord says to Moses, or to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This takes a requirement of every follower of Jesus to remind themselves God is with us. He wants to be with us. He, we as a church want to know more of him, not less of him. We wanna be a praying church. For me, one of the, the most crucial uh, experiences of the presence of God is when people are praying. Prayer doesn't say I've got it all. Prayer is I know God is with us. Prayer is a declaration of dependence. It's a it's an experience. It's a knowledge that God is always with us. It's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Hey, our future is one of prayer and presence. So the first word, maybe we can go back to the the one of presence. The first word that I want us to. To see as more of our future, not just 2020, actually up to 2030 and 40 and 50, is that the presence of God becomes more and more real. And let me tell you this little spoiler alert the best sound in the world, the coolest facilities you could imagine, can't make God's presence come or go any more than a crummy old, terribly acoustic space with ordinary people. All you need is a group of people who have faith in the living God, who gather in the name of Jesus, because that's what he said, when people gather in my name, there I am with them. That's our prayer, that's our hope, and our hunger is that the presence of God comes more real, and the presence of God gets more real to the city that are losing their peace. You see, to have the presence of God is also to have peace. The the ultimate outcome for for Christians into the future is shalom, it's peace, it's it's the calm of God reigning over our souls. We live in such an anxious world, we live in such an anxious world, most people are medicating themselves to stay calm. I'm not saying that's wrong, don't hear what, I'm not picking a fight here. What I am saying is that God is calling us to become a non-anxious presence in a very anxious world, and you can't do it without this. You can't. You need a conviction that when you step on the water, he's there. You need a conviction that when you walk into your day, he actually cares. And we have it sounds so basic. Could that be our vision? Heck yes. Why not? Why wouldn't we have a vision to be the kind of people who know the presence of God and whose souls are infused with a peace that comes from it? I don't think there's a better advert for Jesus in the the decade to come than to be a non-anxious presence in such an anxious world. Going to take, it's going to take a team effort, by the way. We're going to need to hold each other to trusting Jesus when we want to trust another source, another format, another forum to find our peace. It's not going to deliver quite like Jesus. It's a, it's a myth that we need to fight. Secondly, the word is formation. That the, the future for us is not just the presence of God, but the formation of Jesus. The secular myth in this one is that if I just discover more of myself, I will progress and become who I need to become. But actually, the, 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 the truth of the Bible is if I discover more of Jesus and get closer to him, I will become who God wants me to become. That's the one we want. The secular myth of self-discovery and finding out who I am. Yeah, the gospel will help you to do that, by the way. It will help you understand yourself better. But, but with much better leadership you don't want to lead yourself to discover yourself. We want to lead uh, ourselves towards Jesus who helps us to discover ourselves because he understands us better than we do, and he knows what we need better than we do. He understands how he designed our sexuality, how he designed our relationship, how he designed our communities to work and function. And what we are called to do is to become formed into the image of Jesus, our goal in the next while. I don't know when our vision needs to be refreshed, but for the time being, let's call it a year or two or three the next word is formation who are we becoming who are people going to get on the 26th of jan and then who are they going to get in 2021 what kind of person are you and i becoming because yes we got billboards on r27 saying come join us but i don't actually mind so much about that as much as we've got the capacity of heart to love a few more people that's pretty scary That that honestly keeps me up way more than whether this stuff is all going to work and whether the sound is cool and and, and whether we can preach a good message and whether our bands are going to be okay. I'm not too worried about that as much as are these hearts ready to hold a few more lives, to love a few extra people, to widen the circle a little more, to to say yes to maybe sacrificing a little more of our time and our, our energy and even our finances to say I've got space for you. Because if we're just happy to have a growing church so that we say, I go to that cool church at Elkanah that seems to be growing, but our hearts aren't, then we're becoming like the Pharisees that Jesus looked at. It looks successful, but the hearts are not as successful as they could be. It's really important, this. It's really important. Joshua was told, be very strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the left or the right that you may be successful. This word success is is about a spiritual success, about a heart success. It's about not letting a fence grow. It's about moving into this space. Some of us are going to feel like this is the best thing that ever happened. I feel like I'm at the center of the world here. This is so good. Others are going to go, I felt like. I feel like I'm losing something. I feel like I'm, something's changing, and all of our hearts are going to get tested because success will test you almost as much as failure will. What happens in our heart? Do we stay humble under God's word, keeping the, the word of God right on our lips, meditating on it day and night so that we're careful to do everything Jesus calls us to do, so that our hearts are tender to the leadership of Christ when He calls us to tweak something, to apologize, to live without offense? I felt almost like moving over to this new space. Maybe there's little offenses that we've taken up over the the while. Maybe we need to do it privately. Maybe we need to do it one-on-one with a person. But the Bible says, let no bitter root grow up inside of you. It talks about don't let offense come up quickly. And we need to make sure we're not a people who are easily offended. And we, we quickly apologize. We quickly get right with people. We're becoming more like Jesus. Formation is this word that says, I want to more and more reflect who Jesus is and what he's like. Who are we becoming? Does this sound good? Is this a vision worth living and fighting for and climbing over walls and risking our lives for? I'd hate to think that a guy who's desperate for a bike would take more risks than a person who's desperate to know God and to become like Jesus. What a scary thought, eh? Hey? A guy who needs a meal could be more hungry for something than a Group of Christians who've met the living God, who have at their fingertips all the resources of transformation for their souls and the world, and are maybe more worried about what their kids are dressed like or whatever else, some frivolous, simple thing. Eugene Peterson's translation of. uh, 2 Corinthians 3. Forgive me if you don't love these versions. And when God is personally present, He's a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us, nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, much like Jesus. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and brighter, more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. How cool is that it's a curriculum it's just gradually more and more we're becoming more like jesus because we spend time with him that's our curriculum we can't we we part of uh, joining this a, a church a lot of people make it feel like it's you joining you're getting on a luxury liner but in reality it's like joining the army we're at war here life is tough and following jesus is difficult and to be honest the people who pitch up on a vision day are the ones who are the key warriors and it's our job to realize that our morning time with Jesus is not just winning something for our souls, it's winning something for so many others. One morning devotional is like a drop of rain that falls. You, you read your Bible and you pray and you go, cool, that, that tiny little drop did very little, actually. But uh, 150 morning devotionals every day, times by a year, times by a decade the water that can fall and sustain and bring nutrients to a society could change the world forever. And sometimes we need to realize that maybe it was a drop of rain and it just satiated us enough to keep us going. And you just read your Bible and you just fought through and it felt just like that. I don't mind. It's a risk I'm willing to take because what we're doing is a team effort and we're a family who are becoming more like Jesus. And the more we each become like Jesus, the more I witness into the world is a good one. We're going to try something in this space, and I'm not over uh, committing to when we're going to start it, but we're going to start something called Sunday Sessions, where every uh, couple of Sundays when everyone's moved out, we're going to do some training and some coaching. Just for 35 minutes after church, anyone who wants to stay behind, we're going to coach on how to read your Bible, how to follow Jesus, how to do um, certain basics, how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And each Uh, Every sort of second or third week, we'll have a little class here where different people will get to coach and teach, and we're going to grow our ability to follow Jesus because of uh, these things. And we just want to create more forums where we can get into some more um, specific stuff and becoming more like Jesus. So those we're going to probably call Sunday sessions, and we'll be straight after a meeting. Sound cool? Yay. Who said awesome? Give that person a, yay, Natalie. Give her a round of applause. I'm actually not kidding, this space actually may need a bit more like feedback, because it's not as echoey, so it's like quite cold and quiet, so keep talking, I need more of this. Yeah, second word, Uh, third word, community. I'm going to spend less time on this one, community. Our future is not filled with less community, it's filled with more. Moses, my servant is dead, now then, you and all these people. This was not a Joshua thing, this is not an eldership or Roger thing. This is an us thing. Community is a present continuous. It's not something you, do, uh, you, know you did in the '90s, and you worked it out, and like, cool, I've graduated from community. now I really love locking my door early and you know brying with my wife. It's no longer what it means. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're learning to open your door earlier and close it later. That's what it means. I know that's tough. It's tough for me. I'm an introvert. I find it easier to spend time by myself, but I know that community is about learning to love and be loved. And it's fundamentally human. And the less we're doing that, the less we're becoming like Jesus. And basically, local churches, were God's gift to us to get better at it in an environment of actual grace because we all know the message. That's the point. We get the message that I'm a real stuff up a lot of the time. Is that a bad word? I really am messed up. And it's not, it's not okay, but I need help. And I need you guys to give me grace when I let you down. And, and you need the same Because we're going to let each other down. I let people down this week. I I found out I didn't even know it. Such a bummer. I was so disappointed that I'd let someone down. But the beauty of being a Christian is you say, you let me down, but it's okay. We we move forward. We go through this thing. Because we've got the gospel of grace, which says I'm not changing churches because I was hurt. I'm now learning to be the church that God always planned us to become. Which is I get hurt and I love the person who hurt me. And I'm learning to do that to everyone. That's a, that's a compelling vision for me. That's the kind of church I want to become. That's the kind of person I want to become. And I'm calling us all to see that as a beautiful future. Sentence I'm going to, or a phrase I love is 2 a.m. friendships. That we're building the kind of church that has loads of 2 a.m. friendships who've got fridge rights in our home. They walk into your home, they open the fridge before they say hello. That's a mate. And I'm not saying that everyone has to have that. I'm not saying that um, you can eat all my food either. But what I am saying is that we need a few of those, and we should be trusting God that we're building some and that we're facilitating other people building some. That's a real leader. A real leader is a person who says, I'm going to the land. And something I didn't have time to read was that there's a group of people in this story of Joshua who actually don't need to go into the promised land. They've already found their land. There's a half tribe of Manasseh and, uh, and another tribe. But basically, before they got to the river, they, Moses said, yeah, you guys can have this land. It's cool. And so they were sorted. They didn't, they didn't need any other land, but they were part of the people of Israel. And so basically, Joshua comes to them and says, guys, don't forget what, what you committed to. You said you're gonna help us fight for our land because you guys have yours, but you're still committed as a group to the whole working out. And so they say, yes, that's actually part of that last line I read. We will do everything you command us to do because we want the good of the whole, not just what we've got. And I suppose there's application on so many levels. But I think it's a case of going, I don't just pitch up at Life Group because it's good for me. I pitch up because it's good for everyone. Everyone feels a little, oh, because so-and-so just keeps not pitching up. And everyone feels a little, uh, when the WhatsApp group keeps getting negatives, when actually we could start breathing life into each other and feeding some love and and bringing some energy and joy to each other because we're actually fighting for the good of other people. You don't get into the promised land uh, just uh, on your own strength. You get into the promised land because a bunch of other people went where they didn't need to go for your good. The the, the, The challenge here is that most of us who are the influencers, we're the ones who maybe have land already. Maybe most of us, I've got some great friends, I've got a cool life group, and God may be saying, okay, you've got land, but I'm calling you to cross over anyway, and to help them to get land that they need. That's what a church is. The church is probably the half-tribe of Manasseh, who cross over and say, we're going to keep serving because we exist for the good of the others who don't yet know him who haven't yet found home, who haven't yet found a belonging, who don't yet know what it means to walk safely into someone's home on a Wednesday evening and feel like they're going to get love and they're going to get communication, they're going to get care, and they're going to go home feeling like they've got some people who may one day become 2 a.m. friends. When stuff hits the fan, they pick up the phone and they go, I built these friendships here with an awkward hello at the steps or whatever it may have been. By the way, we're gonna launch some new groups this year and we're actually looking at people here and I'm actually asking anyone here who's thinking, you know, I'm in a group but maybe I could potentially put up my hand and start something. I've got a group of four or five people who are maybe gonna come join in this space and we could start a group starting in Feb and we really are calling you. Maybe there's just the sense of courage even welling up now where you just wanna say, I could host something, I could start something, I could actually make some space We are undergunned when it comes to life groups at the moment. We are just on survival mode. And every time I drive past that R27 sign, I go, where are these people going to go? If they pitch up, where are we going to put them? And the, the answer is in our lives. And maybe some of us are open to considering. And I've got two things I want you to consider. The one is, could you host a life group? And, and we never ask people to host it alone. We always build teams of at least uh, two people or two couples or whatever it may be so that you don't feel like it's all me. And uh, and secondly, are there any people in your groups who maybe aren't here today for whatever reason who we could be putting their names forward and saying, let's get them trained. Next week, Thursday, we're doing a training. We want to get as many people ready. If you haven't been trained and you haven't received an email, next Thursday we'd love to just put some fresh equipping in your Uh, in your arsenal to get you ready to to make that happen so that's something it's really exciting we need it God's going to add and I keep getting this picture if you put out the cups he'll fill them do you know that this last little story on community I felt like I'd say in the early stages every life group you start I'll fill it and honestly I can't think of one life group that we've started that he hasn't filled not one the hardest thing is to find people who say, I'm ready to lead, but not once have I ever seen a life group that we've started not get filled with a group of people who do life together for at least uh, six to 12 months. So how many words have we done here? Three. Last one. Last one is probably a bit of a repetition one, so I won't spend as much time, and it's the word mission. Mission. Our big citywide vision is to fill the city with the life, the message, and the fame of Jesus. That's what we exist for, to be a people on mission and to to take the gospel to places it's never been. The secular myth says, the more quiet we are about religion, the better we'll all be off. And it's amazing how we're buying this lie, by the way, because the lie goes a little bit like this, let's not force our opinions on anyone. And so the thought of us even mentioning our faith is becoming more and more complicated And for good reason, we need to be sensitive to how we present the gospel. But let me tell you this, we as a people can't be quiet. We can't afford it. We can't be clumsy, but we also can't be quiet. And I've heard so many amazing ways. One of the habits that I try to do is actually just talk, and I encourage other people, is to just talk about the fact that you go to church. Monday mornings, hey, how are you doing? What did you get up to this weekend? Normally, you get asked the question in return. And you say, well, I went to uh, this, and we visited this place. On Sunday, I went to church. Man, I learned so much about myself and my life. And then, I, and then in the afternoon, we all chilled as a family. Suddenly, everyone in your workspace knows that you go to church, you're learning about it, and you care about who you're becoming. In one sentence, you have disclosed your faith. You've made it appealing because you didn't tell them to believe in Jesus in a moment, but you have, you've made people watch you. And suddenly, yeah, maybe that's dangerous. You don't want people to watch you. But the point is, is you have put yourself out there. You're going, I'm a follower. And, 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 and I believe. We've got a mission. We're called to love people. We're called to help people, not just get into this building, by the way. And there is also that of we're not outsourcing gospel proclamation only to this little space here. But that all of us are growing and learning to share our story, learning to tell people hey, you know, I was a bit messed up. I was really confused. I'm still quite messed up and still a bit confused. But one thing that's really changed some of my messed upness and confusedness is meeting Jesus, finding out that he really is king and he really does rule the world and he really is uh, as good as as people say he is. He's changing the way I relate to the world. It's your story. You you can tell it. And I, I think we need to just grow a little bit of a hunger to help people understand that actually their secular myth is not gonna help them. It's gonna hurt them. And that the gospel really is the best thing for them. Someone once said, We need a 2020 vision, which comes from Acts 2020, which says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. I told you and taught you in the public uh, and from house to house, testifying to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. How's that for a 2020 vision? I told people what they most needed to hear, and I did it with my life and with my own story. So there we go. Our four words are this, presence, formation, community, mission. We need the presence of God, and we've got to climb over walls to experience him. We need to be hungry to be formed into his likeness. We've got to build a community worth showing off the love of Jesus, and, uh, and we're on mission. This community, this, even who we are, does not exist for us to fill the space. It exists for the people who aren't yet in this space. We're on mission, and I will never let us off the hook on this, and we're going to preach the gospel, and we're going to land almost every message we ever preach from this pulpit by helping at least one, hopefully more people, come to faith in Jesus and start following him, and then the journey of your discipling them begins, because if you're becoming like Jesus, you need one or two people next to you who are helping also to become like him. Okay, we are behind the schedule Next is going to lead us in a little bit of discussion. Um, Is that right? So we'll keep things a little tighter, but over to you.
1: So I am biased, but that was so good. Thank you so much. And this is, um, even if I wasn't biased, like you can all agree, you're unbiased. That was so good. It is being recorded, and I feel like this is maybe the kind of thing in a few days' time or weeks' time we might want to listen to again. So look out for the link for today's talk, but just to let it kind of... um, Permeate in our thoughts a little bit more. We're going to just answer two questions together with two other people. So, just we're going to actually have a standing discussion time just to get the blood flowing um, because there's a lot of one way communication while we are sitting down. So, um, the two questions that we're going to ask, we're just going to do this super quickly, like in three and a half minutes. How would you describe your personal hunger? And which word is most alive to you or would you like to be the most alive to you out of these four words? So how would you describe your own personal hunger as you stand at the moment and which word of those four are the most alive to you? So stand up, get into a group of three, don't even worry to have a small talk, go for it and we will ting, ting, ting when it's over.
0: All right, will you start moving towards the seat? Um, Next is handing out a few flyers. Next, do you want to ask some people to help you? Give some to Ian. And there we go. Button, well done. Like a good Lauren's wife. Mark Button deserves a round of applause. Hey? He doesn't get paid for all the stuff he does. <laughs> woo hoo Well done, Button. Okay, so there's one one pamphlet per family, if that's okay. And hopefully they'll go far enough. So what you've got there, maybe you can take your seats. So I spent a fair amount of my life... um, trying to create and print and uh, get that stuff ready. I worked the hardest actually on trying to print it more than actually typing it and writing it all out. So um, technology beat me. But eventually we got printouts. But um, what this booklet is, is um, the first two pages you'll see actually speak to what I just spoke about now. And you can look through it if you want. Um, I know what that's like when you just want to look at it. So have a look. And um, you'll see those four words, and you'll see that there's a bit of our vision there. And um, I suppose the hope would be that you don't throw it away in the bin when you get home, and that um, you do use some of your time to go through it. But it is our way of, um, it's going to be something we're going to use um, probably for the next year or two, and maybe there'll be new iterations of it, et cetera. But roughly speaking, it's about three or four pages just talking big picture vision, some of the stuff I just shared here. Um, put into writing, and uh, it's never as cool as actually hearing it from the horse's mouth, but that's that. And then into the next part, when you get to, I think, page six, is what I want to speak about for now, because in a way, did you guys not get? Are they all finished, guys? The guys in the pit don't deserve it in the pit. If there are leftovers, some people in the front didn't get, um, otherwise... What this is, is our way of actually going, you know, for for so much of our table view experience, um, we coached on the go. So Sundays, we have created a bit of a culture, and that's fantastic. But what what we've realized, and what the Bible teaches so much of, is that um, actually the church scattered is what we spend most of our week being, right? I mean... Uh, from Monday through to Saturday, we're not together, but barring a Wednesday or a Tuesday evening, whenever you meet, most of the time, we're the church scattered. But so much of what it means to be the church is what you do when you're gathered and how you maximize your time and what you do with those few hours that you are together. And um, we just wanted to try formalize what does it look like on Sundays for us to be together? How do we infuse those four words of presence, formation, community, mission, into how we do Sundays and um, we wanted to uh, try our best to coach such that Sundays are a fantastic experience where actually presence is a priority. We really do wanna, even our setup experience is about uh, for one it's about setting up a fantastic environment where we can experience the presence of God. But actually, even in our set-up teams, we're prioritizing prayer and being with God at least for a moment, so that we we actually have habits that that infuse us with presence and and formation. We're going to talk a bit about how some of our Sunday habits. We want to look at opportunities not just to get our band on the stage and playing music, but actually that each band member is taking a little and band leader taking a bit more responsibility for some short pep talks and conversations around how we're not just doing music, but we're becoming more like Jesus. We're f- being formed into his image such that you'll see 7 to 11 is an experience for everyone. When you arrive, whether you're on setup or any other team, it's an encounter of formation. It's becoming more like Jesus. It's an encounter of community. It's a prioritization of this thing of mission. And uh, we want to infuse all of that into as much of what we do Rather than saying, actually, the, you know, the ox do this and the, guy, the eagles do that and we get everyone to do their different bits. Actually, all of it is infused with all of those things. Does that make sense? And, um, and so we've called them super Sundays. Not super Sundays like, um, I almost imagine, uh, the NFL. Hey, they have super Sundays or something like that. I'm thinking that Sundays that are super. Okay? Just fantastic Sundays. An experience of Sundays that are, are filled with all of these things. And um, the acronym that we've come up with is the acronym of HELP, which um, speaks to what we hoping will be infused in every volunteer's life as we do Sundays together. And HELP stands for Hungry for God. I don't need to explain that. Um, it's knowing and experiencing Jesus our, as our driving priority through a, a lifestyle and prayer and practice. Um, it's about enjoying excellence. That's the next one. We enjoy excellence. We poured over this thing. Um, around, like, what's the best word? How do you make excellence feel like it's a value, but it's not an idol? Because, man, we don't want to be the guys who crack the whip when we miss, make a mistake or do something. Enjoy is a lovely word, isn't it? It says we, we like excellence. We prize it. It's really cool. It's not our God. We don't worship it. But, man, when we do things excellently, we know God gets worship. We know he gets uh, He gets joy from it. So we enjoy excellence. We want to do things well, And we love learning. And I think this is so key, whether it's kids ministry or setup or music or whatever it may be, excellence doesn't say I'm perfect from the moment I start. Excellence says I'm keen to learn how to get better at what I'm doing. And a really humble Christian, this is pretty challenging, but a really humble Christian is a person who says, please keep coaching me. Please keep giving me feedback so that we can keep growing. I don't want to keep doing the same thing in my kids' ministry class, and no one comes and says, you know, you could do a lot better if you tried it this way. And if we create a healthy culture of feedback to help each other grow excellence, we really do think we could um, also grow humility. And uh, part of that is learning to also do uh, feedback well. So excellence is about growing together, not saying we're all treading on eggshells because we're too scared to tell each other something. No, we're growing together, and we value doing that. Uh, Then we're going to laugh lots, laugh loads. We're not simply going to be happy people. We're going to pursue joy and warmth and and doing stuff with fun. And uh, a lot of that comes with actually not rushing. You lose joy when you're rushing. And uh, we really are going to explain a little bit around the timing. We're going to ask for a little more margin in all of our teams. And I know that's going to mean a little pressure on our our morning routines on a Sunday, not much more than usual just a little bit more, because we want to laugh together. We want to have some margin. We want to be able to pray together and have a bit of an experience of God. But um, that's going to mean that we need a bit of margin. And then fourthly, and I think it's sandwiched between our two highest priorities, is, um, is the passion for people. So we're, we're hungry for God, and we're passionate about people, and we've sandwiched two things in between that are also key, but not as important. And here we don't use people to build the church. We use the church to build people. This is not an organization that's saying... We just need another person in our volunteer team and then my ministry will work. And are we getting people who we love to hopefully grow because we serve? Jesus didn't come to be served but to serve. He knew that that was part of his mission and his mandate. And so we want to place people in all the right places so that they can experience mission, formation uh, and, and and community and presence. It's not about using people to get our stuff done. And, and, and it's, it, it can be in any of your team. You go, I need a new setup person. But actually, Tara needs a, a kids ministry person, and they're more suited for that. And so we, we're graciously going, what's good for people? How do we make sure that we're serving people? And how do we make sure that our teams are spaces where we're growing in a joy of, of really loving and caring for people? We want all our teams to leave Sundays having experienced God's presence, His people, um, genuine formation, and aware of, of His mission almost commissioned onto his mission. Sound good? Cool. I need more from you guys. So what would our routines look like? Again, there's no major changes, but I did just want to um, sort of show us uh, a bit of a thing. Our our Super Sundays, as we've called them, they don't start at the arrival of the first person who comes at 9.20. They start when the first volunteer team arrives and are starting to build team. And uh, what we're hoping for is that every team we'll have a bit of a pep talk before. Team leaders, listen up, because it's my hope that each time you pull your team together, you start with this thing of, hey guys, why are we here? And you don't need to get too creative. We've given you the best acronym ever. We're here to help. We're hungry for God, we enjoy excellence, we're uh, gonna laugh lots, and we're passionate about people. And maybe each week, your team leader, uh, maybe they delegate, is going to simply go through one of those values and remind us, this is who we are. Whether we're packing our chairs, whether we're uh, helping with kids, whether we're setting up sound, we are a team who's gonna get together, and our first protocol is we're gonna be together. We're gonna pray, and we're gonna value a priority, and then we're gonna move into doing this stuff. We don't wanna be a church driven by tasks. And so, typically, a morning for most volunteer teams will look like this. Arrive at your agreed time, you'll see those later. Um, then have a bit of a team talk, be, and that'll be infused with that acronym HELP. Then the team uh, will prep and plan, that's actually do what you need to do to get things ready. And then the hope is that all of us at 8.45, it's a little earlier than we've been doing, will all connect together in the cafe. And uh, whether you're on any of the, the teams, We're going to get together, and we're going to be community. We're going to have a muffin, and we're going to have a cup of coffee, and we're going to mingle across teams just because we value serving. We value each other, and we're passionate about people. And for 10 minutes, we're going to connect. It's going to be a bit of a catch-all, but we're hoping teams don't scrape in just before the prayer meeting. And then from 5 to 9 till 10 past 9, we're going to pray together. And uh, we haven't decided where we'll pray, maybe in the cafe, maybe here. We'll work that out, and we're going to pray together and pray through the stuff that God's calling us to do on that day. And um, and then by 10 past 9, the hope is that we can go and do what we need to do. And there's space, there's margin. We really did find in table view a lot of sweating, and you'll see just now what I think about sweat, but it's like everyone's scratching. And so you come into church, the time where you should be, The non-anxious presence. And so many people, whether it's kids or whatever, are like, have we got our stuff ready? Are the base, you know, is everything plugged in? And we just want to arrive into spaces able to serve in a non-anxious, non-panicky way. Kids people are in place and sound is set up and band are ready. And then we can just breathe a little. And we've just felt like an extra 15 minutes is going to help us not feel like we're sweating all the time just before we come to help people come into a non-anxious, anxious presence. And so um, it is something we're trying to to value there. Does that make sense? Are you sure? That's it. Some thoughts about Sunday serving. We want to prioritize Sundays that we're not serving. That's just our way of saying, hey, it's not ideal if you're on a team and you only come to church when you're on the team. We want to model to our world and to our hearts that we need Jesus in just being in church more than just the days that we're helping with kids or sound or set up, whatever it may be. Um, so we'd love to just ask you to keep prioritizing that. It's good for your soul. It's, it's, you tell your soul, I need Jesus, I don't just do something because people need me. And, uh, and that's a really unhelpful way to teach yourself that the church just is using you. No, no, you're a contributor and you're needed. And Jesus wants you to be a singing, contributing, worshiping person. And so don't just come when uh, your team is on if, uh, as much as is possible. Of course, be there when your team is on though. Um, we love sweat-free serving. That's what I mentioned. That just means, hey, sweat smells and it doesn't smell good on us. And we just want to move into spaces where we're feeling calm. And uh, maybe that speaks to me. Maybe I'm projecting onto all of you. But the point is, is just to have a little bit of margin. It's such a powerful thing to be able to serve well. And so uh, that's one of the things we're asking in terms of preparation and coming ready uh, to serve well. And then we see prayer as a priority. There will always be things that need to give, and we're going to arrive, and there's stuff that we can and can't do. Hey, prayer is something we don't want to uh, negate and push out because it just couldn't happen. And so we do want to just ask us to prioritize um, prayer. Does that sound cool? Did I, what I didn't mention is all the teams um, that we have. Look in your booklet. You'll see all the teams. Um, are you, doing, are you going through all of that? Okay, I was wondering why it's not in my notes. What a wife, what a wife. Um, is there anything I've missed while I'm here? So obviously, guys, maybe ne- while next is coming up, um, this today is a practice run. We, we're trying to work out how things do work, what doesn't work. So we want to hear feedback. Just now we're going to have an interactive session in our different teams. and then. Um, but we really are trialing things. And so if you've got really helpful feedback... Um, maybe during the tea break, or whatever, we can, we can hear that. Um, but we will have a bit of a Q&A time as well. But this is part of today is to go, what could go wrong and uh, learning from that.
1: Awesome, so we're gonna have some time for a little bit of um, a, a kind of break, a little, we've been sitting down hearing a lot, so we're gonna have a tea break. Um, but when we come back from that tea break, we're gonna break away into our different serving um, and volunteer teams. Um, and we realize that there might be some of you here today that actually aren't part of a specific team and then listen out for um, the list of teams and the one that most appeals to you or that you're most hungry for um, or just interested in, you can go and sit in on that little huddle and every team leader is expecting a few guests around their team. So no one's going to be surprised if you pop your head into that circle. Um, I am going to ask the team leaders to stand as I read their names so that you can see who the person is, just especially if you're not in a team, and then they can also say where, they're going to, where their little huddle is going to be. So team leaders, start thinking where you would like your meeting to be. So the um, band and worship, Tashis. If you didn't know, guys, this is Tashis. <laughs> cool. Okay, kids is Taryn with Mike and Jenny supporting her. AV which is um, Brent Leon and Anieszka with you guys are all overseeing different parts and Dylan and Leon on sound and mil- so sound and multimedia um where are you guys going to be up there that makes sense yes are you going to fit are you going to fit okay, okay. cool so in the foyer so in the foyer, in the foyer. all right set up as Rory yeah <laughs> A cafe? Okay. Um, hospitality is myself and Renal. Um, Should we be there where you are? Great. Um, so life group leaders and anyone looking into potentially hosting or starting a life group is going to be with Raj. And you can be on the stage over there. Um, and then um, we are hoping, but this team isn't having a breakaway, but just so that you know it's something we're hoping to have a prayer and ministry team. So if that's something you're interested in, you can come and chat to us. But that's not having a break, you can can join Raj on the stage. And then Liz for the counting team. Go, Liz. And then the um, people who help with the involvement desk are going to join Ranelle and myself because that's part of hospitality on Sunday. So if that's your team. And then finally, and very excitingly, we are starting this year a youth ministry team. Woo-hoo! And Jess and Paul, won't you stand, are gonna be starting that. And they actually, because of this new venture, are gonna be um because we're so excited about it, they're gonna just be sharing with us um just for a few minutes. So why don't you guys come up? We because this one we're excited about all our teams, but I think we just wanna um spotlight this one for a few minutes because we're so excited about what um these guys are gonna be starting.
2: Thank you. Hi everyone. Uh I'm Paul and my wife, Jess. And uh, we've been at the church now for just over a year and married for six years. And, yeah, we're excited and looking forward to what's to come. We're not 100% sure of exactly what it's going to look like yet. But, uh, yeah, we've got some ideas. And uh, do you want to give to Sarah on that?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we think teenagers are some of the most magical humans that exist because they are super curious and it's a time in your life where you have so many questions and you're trying to figure out who you are and where you belong. And so I think our heart of things is that we want to create a space where teenagers can ask questions and a space where teenagers can build friendships. And I think that is going to be sort of phase one of what we want to do. So questions and friendships. Um, We're also really passionate about teenagers not having a Friday night bubble of youth group that doesn't really integrate into bigger church or bigger community. Um, So we're keen to start off meeting in our home, um, sort of a life group style thing. Um, We want to be involved in each other's lives. If someone's got a big sports match, we want youth group to take place there and we go out for milkshakes afterwards. Or if someone's got a drama prac, we want to go and watch. Um, So we want youth group to be real um, and we're so excited So if you are a teenager, please will you come chat to us. Um, And if you have ideas for us, we would love to hear as well. So these guys
1: are also going to be doing um, a little breakaway. If anyone's interested in that team, you can join. And they are going to be over there by that exit sign. That's going to be their their little area. So we're going to have our tea break now. Yes.
0: Just a quick note, um, so to team leaders, if you've, like, you're like you feeling a bit scratchy and you're not sure what you're going to say, everything's in the booklet, and roughly what we want to do in that booklet is to remind yourselves in the team, what, is, what are those things? So, It's basically the booklet for each team goes through that acronym HELP, and what does it look like to be hungry for God, enjoy excellence, so um, you could... Your team leader may well just be reading out the booklet. That's cool because, but, and then the second thing is to actually, when you go home for your team or uh, whatever one or two you're on, to actually go read through that and um, become acquainted with it.
1: So we're going to be taking a 10-minute break now. And then, um, although this is a school, we don't have access to the bell. I don't even know if they do have a bell. We can't ring a bell to tell you the tea break is over. Please look at your watches and phones. And at 11, get into those little teams. Um, and we will be in that until? For 20 minutes. So team leaders, you can be the, the timekeepers back in here about 25 past 11. But by 11, in your teams. Enjoy.
4: That,
2: right?
4: well, the point is you can hang your toes off the end. Of the <laughs> you can hang your
5: of a surfboard, right? <laughs> like. she
2: wants
3: to, she wants to put a pot plant in the front just so that you have like a barrier.
2: I'm just saying,
5: you know, like, look at his feet, you know. <laughs> when the toe, just this. Like
6: like, <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's
0: more.
6: I am Thank you.
0: Okay, can we find ourselves a seat? Are there any teams that aren't here? I don't think so. Did everybody have good times in their teams? Thanks, Mark. I'm glad you had a good one. Yes, please. Mikey. It's more what I'm looking for. Um, So I think we've also realized there's overlap. So that's the point of your booklet. You got to hear from one person, but you may have missed out on being in another team. And uh, just go through that. We're going to print a whole bunch of extra copies, and that's going to be sort of the manual that if a new person joins your team or is on any of the Sunday things, we get to give that to them. And part of our DNA journey, if people are looking to serve, it's an easy in to just learning how they can get involved and what is some of the culture dynamics. But obviously, culture doesn't come out of a booklet. Culture comes out of people, and values are expressed by people. So um, hopefully, we can really embody that in the way we do things. Um, I think we've got to answer and ask any big questions, but maybe just um, for a few minutes we're going to take a little bit of q and a if there are any major or what you think is major, and we'll try to answer them questions that may just be helpful for all of us to be aware of because we've got eight days till we're here, and we're hosting our city and everyone we've invited and all our friends and so we get a gap just to to sort of uh, cover any of the big things that maybe in all our pouring over preparation, we didn't actually get to, so over to you guys, any big questions, comments, or concerns? Yes. The parents' room, great question, so um, there's two answers to that, the first answer is the sort of real young, what would the age bracket be, Nick's, Lauren, for the, the sort of feeding room? So, so that's the new addition, is that from the age one to, uh, which is called pipsqueaks, where, where does the next one start exactly? Three, three. So, ba- And it's roughly speaking, I mean, some kids take a little longer, but um, age naught to one, which is feeding and like more chilled out kids, um, that is basically if you walk up the stairs and you hook a left... What I mean is they're probably not running around. They're like still crawling. I'd say probably that's a good one. They're crawling kids. Um, Thereafter, you're going to need a bit more space. But if you walk up the stairs and you hook a left um, down into that little foyer area, that's a place where we're going to cordon off for feeding mums and um, for people who want to get a live feed. it's, It's probably the one thing that's a little less than ideal. But what's new is we've got four classrooms now for Kids Rock And one of them is going to be dedicated to the one to three-year-olds. So our hope is that more and more parents will be able to drop their kids confidently from one, like 18 months onwards, and they will learn to uh, cry for shorter amounts of time after their parents have dropped them off and they can have a happy time. So, and our our goal, remember, there's always this tension because um, kids in worship, we're always feeling this tension of kids in worship means that they get to watch their mom and dad sing, and they get to experience what it means to one day grow up, and they've got these examples. And the tension is between example going, wow, mom and dad, I want to be like them one day, versus mom and dad never get to actually enjoy the presence of God because they're babysitting during worship. And uh, no one's really experiencing anything because it's basically a glorified like, a mess of you know, trying to sing but actually looking after kids. So we are, for the first term, doing our best to say, actually, it's a drop-off space from the moment you arrive, kids are going to get dropped off, parents are hopefully going to get an hour 20 to enjoy God's presence, to enjoy God's word, and uh, and then we're going to do lots of other creative things to make sure that we're embodying a sense of family, because we're a family church, but man, parents who are filled with the presence of God for us is a, is a win, versus distracted parents who spend the rest of the weekend with ankle biters, um, trying to distract them, so an hour 20 of just sweet presence, hearing God's word, and then moving into the world, hopefully with a bit more grace to be parents, is sort of what we're shooting for, we realize there's always a tension, because some people say, I want my kids in worship, we're asking for a season that we really give it a go at, um, and that'll start, igniters will stay in worship, so that's grades four onwards, and high schoolers will stay in, so that's the general thinking, igniters will leave after worship to go do their own thing. The rest uh, who are younger will get dropped off. Um, it was a much longer answer than you asked for, but that is something we're shooting for. It's leadership's attention. Some of us are not always going to love exactly what we pull off, but we're trying our best to build a great family church. Yes? Yes, I believe a lot of people are worried I'm going to fall off. It's like that is you guys have no faith in my ability to balance thank you. Even if I do fall, it's not that high, guys. Come on. But I do realize it might be a bit distracting for the listener, so I'll try to stay back from the edge. I won't jump. I value my life. Any other questions of high quality, just like Jacques? at the top there. No, we're going to avoid people going there. Um, I think what would be awesome is we fill up the bottom, and, you know, God answers prayers, and, you know, I, I imagine if we really are pushing and inviting, maybe in week one and two, we do need to use the gallery, and that's awesome, and let's pray we do, and let's pray that we never don't need to use it, but ideally, we fill up the bottom and then the top, not have dotted people all over the show. So, Lauren, that's worth noting that those doors are basically shut, and there's we're not letting people go up there until um, this is full. 250 down and 120 up, so you can do 370 in total. Yeah. It's, it's deceiving, isn't it? Carmen? No. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. We're going to keep toying with it. It's a It's a tension between enough seats in the place. Um, and fitting everything in. So, p- possibly. But it's also a case of getting what the school gives us. So we're not um, empowered yet to do the hydraulics and fix everything in, like on a Sunday exactly how we want it. So we do get what we get and then make it work. So um, I get what you're trying to say behind that, and the answer is maybe, but probably not. Um, the other thing to say is we're just sometimes unused to things. So... Um, I don't want to undermine what you're saying, but sometimes it just takes a while, and then you go, that's the new normal, and then you're used to actually not having to see all the details, on Tasha's beautiful face, which might be a good thing. <laughs> yes, sorry. Oh, yes, Johnny. Can the playlist of music both before and after the service be only music, and not secular? Yes, we can talk about that. I don't think it is secular at the moment, but... We can talk about that. Yeah, I saw a hand. Yes, Denise. <laughs> yes, we can. Yeah, cool. It just means you're counting too slowly. No, um, we we try our best to make it work. It's not always that easy because there's so many different things. um, But, yes, we can try that. We'll try to do it more and more. Cool. Anything else? Yeah? Um, Tim. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's still going to be the system life groups on duty um, on a rotating basis. Not hey, eh? there are toilets in the back in the foyer as well, so um, yeah, so ideally we're trying, and 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 the reason we're saying that, um, and we may need to just give some thought and see how it goes with regards to feedback. Um, I don't know who I mentioned it to, but we're trying our best to create a flow where people come in here but never go back through those doors, ideally. And that's be- for a community creation purpose. We want people to leave through the hanging cafe space. And so we've already, you'll see the signs that said welcome on the back of them say, please use the side doors during the meeting. So we're trying as much as possible. I do realize that in the middle of the meeting, if you need the loo, you don't wanna walk in front of everyone. So um, we'll try to let, uh, create a way that people can go to the loos at the back. But then, hopefully, at the end of the meeting, plus our meeting leadership will say, please exit through these doors. We would love to see you. Even if you can't hang out for coffee, just walk out that way. Um, that's going to be ideal. Ben, do you have a question? Yes? Where can you play soccer? <laughs> Yoo hoo! Don't you think the stage is big enough for a game of soccer here? Did you not find, have you found the field at the back? Oh, no, there's a nice field, but we'll show you afterwards, okay? It's a really cool field. Good question, Ben. Wish your dad asked such good questions. (laughs) Um, Any other burning questions? Um, so, yes, that is most of the parking, and it obviously runs up the roads. It is a challenge, and it always will be a bit of a parking challenge. There is more parking um, around towards West Coast Village, but um, it's, again, it is one of the challenges of the space is that it isn't as contained, and it may move a little further up the roads. Yeah. Okay, we need to, I'm not sure what's available to us, so we need to just double check, because I've heard that they don't allow it, but we'll see. Okay, two more questions. Yeah, Vanessa. Okay. Yes. so that is a limiting factor in a way and i think why sometimes the the church that was here went to double meetings quicker is because at like 250 plus you are parking quite far away um pray with us for wisdom and how to do that well okay Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, what we will try to do, and I don't know if we've done the signage, next is we want to try to create a whole bunch of, of visitors or guest bays. And we'll try to make those sacred so that new people do feel they can come in and park, and um, we're watching you guys. <laughs> um, there's always that sneaky guy in his Range Rover who thinks he can have it as well. Um, cool. Yeah. So, it's that thing of um, family goes last family hold back fhb eh nice yes yeah it's a good point yeah a good point. So maybe all the volunteers who are arriving early park in there and we empower someone with a remote. It's a great idea. Brilliant. Okay, last one. Go Tatiana. No, it's all good. Why? Where did all that kindness come from? No. Yeah, we need to give that some thought. Uh, yeah, we haven't probably planned any specific signage, but that's a good point. Guests and elderly and people like with disabilities and things like that. Yeah, okay. Okay, guys. Um, I think the best way to end is the way we started is just with gratitude and with praise. And uh, there's, you, you go so far, you prepare, and then we trust in God. And uh, I feel uh, better than I've ever felt. And it's always that thing of when, you, when you're with God's people, that's where the confidence goes. Uh, how often when you're isolated, you're alone, things are not going great, and uh, your mind gets carried away with you. And you start to tell yourself a story. And um, man, I heard a great uh, sermon the other day, the stories we tell ourselves. And uh, suddenly you're with God's people. And you hear the story of God again, and you see the people of God, and and their faith carries you. And all of a sudden, the stories we've been telling ourselves just seem a little less potent. They've got less power. And it's one of the reasons we, as a community, keep getting together is because the stories we tell ourselves often aren't the stories of the gospel, and they aren't the stories of faith. And when you get into the presence of other people who've got just a little faith, at least faith for the story you're telling yourself, they just lose their power. And the story of God gains power, and the person and the presence of Jesus gets his, his central space again. And um, that's kind of what I'm, I'm wanting us to land in, is that we, we land in the story of God, the, the work he's doing. And uh, the band, maybe you guys can just come up. They're going to lead us in a bit of time of singing, and then we're going to take communion together. And uh, communion is our way as, a, as the, the believers. 2,000 years worth of, of believers have been taking communion And saying the same thing over and over and over again. We've been reminding ourselves. I suppose you can. (laughs) Here we go. This actually has nothing worth reading anyway. It's my security blanket. Um, So there's going to be no scripture because I can't read it. (laughs) I'll have to recite some that you've remembered. But... um, Communion is our way of saying we're not in charge. Our hope is not here. Our hope is not in our career. It's not in our gatherings. It's not in our leadership. It's not in a good leadership team. It's not, in, it's not even in a great church future. Jesus basically said, I'm not going to drink of this cup. I'm not going to eat of this bread until I come back. It's a promise. It's a promise of a returning king. He is king. He is ruling. The presence of God into our new future is more and more of his presence. But he says, take communion to remind yourself of that presence that is going to increase. It's not decreasing, it's increasing. And remind yourself, eat of that bread and remind yourself why you can come into the presence. Drink of that cup and remind yourself of the one who's made the covenant that that will be your future forever. That is where we're going. That is the the graph. It's growing, it's not decreasing. The love of God is not diminishing. Yes, secularity is growing. Yes, the West sometimes asks questions that are very confusing to the follower of Jesus. But man, the follower of Jesus comes to the communion table and he says, my hope is in him. My security, my safety is here. And um, I'm going to ask us just in, in small groups just to gather around the communion table, maybe just in pairs or threes. Keep it sh- uh, smaller just so that we can hear each other pray. Maybe it's your first time you're praying together. You're new. Thank you for coming. If you're new and you're going out, it would have been way less daunting to just pitch up on Sunday, but I'm here and I'm now suddenly in a team or I'm getting involved and uh, prayer in public is still new to you. Maybe your prayer is thank you, Jesus. Maybe it's just thank you for your bloodshed, whatever it is. Don't get fancy. Just get honest. Just thank you, Lord. Our prayer lives, maybe God's kickstarting stuff right here in terms of I need people need community and most importantly I need Jesus and um, this is not a fancy church we've got slightly more fancy space but we go to a very humble God who died on a cross he rose again and he says come to me if you're feeling unfancy unimpressive and and even uninspired by by what your future looks like I'll give you something worth living and dying for you're gonna start climbing over walls to do all kinds of crazy stuff in the name of Jesus you're gonna cross over rivers to take people to places they never thought they'd go. And who knows, you might go there yourself. And Jesus wants us to cross over the river. It's not Joshua taking us there. It's Jesus himself who died the death we should have died. He, he rose again and gives us the life we get to live now. And there's promise, there's possibility. And uh, you could be opening the door in this 2020 year, not just for your own personal growth, but for so many other people. And it's gonna be because we just, we just trust in the one who died his broken body, his blood spilt. So get into two pairs, threes. Thank God. And when, you, when the person who's most proactive says, let's eat, let's drink, do it. And uh, just thank him for his life. Um, can you come up to the front and do it? And then we'll all sing together in a few minutes.
1: Just while we're finishing up communion, there are one or two people who are keen to share a prophetic word or an encouragement. Um, While I'm speaking now, the time is going to be now, so you can make yourself up to our little waiting side stage. Um, And the verse that I wanted to read that I felt like God really put on my heart over this last week is from um, Habakkuk 3, verse 2, which says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. God, I have such a sense of, many of us have, um, in a sense, we've heard stories of you, we have heard of your fame, the amazing things that you have done, maybe in people's lives around us, or um, even in the time of, of the scriptures, and, and today we, we say, for us as a church, repeat them in our day, for us as a city, repeat them in our day, drawing people to yourself, Um, And revealing yourself for who you really are, God, in this um, moment in our culture, repeat them in our day, we pray. As we um, maybe you can, I can invite you to stand. We're gonna sing soon, but we're just gonna listen to two other um, encouragements that people wanna bring. Let's stand together.
2: Hi everyone. Um, I had the privilege this last week of being on the advanced summer camp where we had over 270 high schoolers worshiping and praising God and just watching God move. And one of the things, one of the things that God prophetically laid on my heart is that there's people in our community who have not experienced God's presence, that there are people who don't understand that God is a good father, and he gives good gifts, and like it says in the Gospels, that what father, when his son asked for bread, would give him a snake, and in the same way, it goes on to say, God gives us his spirit, and that's through when we're reading our Bible, yes, but there are special times when God gives us a tangible, tangible experience of his spirit, and I just felt it weighing on my heart that there are people even in this room that have not yet experienced that and a promise from God that as we move close to him as we pull into him he will give us that if we ask him that he will give us a tangible experience of his spirit and that that will be what empowers us to go out and do the things that he calls us to do
4: So the Lord's woken me up at 2 a.m. for about three times this week. Just usually when he wants to talk to me about big stuff. Um, and for me, it's been on... I went to Tableau High School. I finished there in 95. I joined the school in 93 from Bergfleet from um, a broken family then, which was kind of one in in 30, back in in, in Bergfleet schools. Tableau High School, it was kind of you know, 20, 30 fa- <laughs> in a class that would come from from broken families. And I, you know, the guys really been telling me that three decades later almost and the brokenness is still there in a very big way and I think we haven't yet touched into the community um, as deep as we can go with, with regards to reaching um, into brokenness. I think things are harder in our days than what they were back in 93 with financial and all sorts of things and I think, yeah, we've, we don't realise just how much impact we can make in the day-to-day small stuff um, and the other side of things has been about trying to be authentic and be real and... A lot of our houses are now closer <laughs> than what they were in our, in our old space. So our, our houses belong to the Lord. So let's open up our doors. Let's open up those fridges at 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> um, that Roger um, mentioned. And that's uh, really in my heart to really find a way to build authentic community um, to reach into the lives, especially with a team ministry about to start. Um, this, this village was called Heartbreak City <laughs> back in 93, and I think it's still got the same name, sadly. So, yeah.
7: I just had a quiet time this morning, which was, um, it's all about making a difference. And today's one was actually about church. And um, uh, it just came to me there again. I just wanted to say that um, this is the church, not the building. This is the church. And um, uh, it's all about, uh, I mean, I was just saying to Mark, uh, what Rog had up on the screen now was exactly what was in about the culture, wanting to change um, in the church, feeling like where's its part in the world. and. And in making a difference, we are the church. Um, so the very funny analogy that's just been on my heart the whole morning is um, uh, you guys have to be spring millies. Okay. Englishmen telling you to be spring millies. Okay. Popcorn. You need to be popcorn. Because what's the most amazing thing about popcorn is it uh, turns its, its heart onto the outside. So when you pop it, your heart is on the outside. And we need to make that difference not just on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and um, a spring mealy it springs. So we've got to be full of love, joy, kindness, peace, and patience. So spring millis.
6: Hi everyone. Um, in recent times, over my just normally in my quiet time, uh, there's a few themes or words that God has sort of impressed on my heart. Um, he does things in a macro way, so when he talks about life and healing and hope, he does it in a bigger scale, and uh, I, I sort of had the idea of thoughts that I should model that uh, in my own home and on a, on a micro scale, and all of us need to do that, so life, hope, um, and healing, uh, and this morning I felt it's actually true for the church as well uh, in this new area. Um, it's three simple things, and in our case, it might, you know, if I talk about life hope and healing, it might just be the people who invite to the bride, just having you know, that um, those seem sort of going around in your head especially if it's new people or, or people outside of the church and um, that's, those were the first three words, and the second three words are, I need some help here, the Afrikaans word is verginning, so we often say ek dit, meaning if some, something good happens to somebody else, it's not, my first reaction is not to say, why didn't happen to me or why can't I have it it's you kind of allow the person to enjoy that it's not a it's not always a, a reaction that we have so um, and then the big things that Jesus does and, and, and Yahweh does is, is um, grace and mercy and on a smaller micro scale how does it look like in our lives and how does it look like for the church uh, in this new community so I thought I'd share that with you six words that, that's in my mind constantly recently it's life, healing, hope whatever the English word there is, and grace and mercy. And let's that model that in our own lives, but really to the new um, space that we are entering here. So that's what I wanted to share.
1: This will
8: be our last one, and then we'll go into a song. Um, Guys, I was actually too nervous to come up and say this, but I'm doing it now, because you know that feeling when you don't, right? But um, really what I just wanted to share was that... Um, You know, this thing of kindness is really a theme. Um, God keeps bringing it up to me recently. And um, I think that, um, first of all, you know, when when I'm teaching my students, I'm a vocal coach, we often talk about a wave that moves through the body. And it builds momentum through the breathing and the energy. And then we release the voice from that source. And um, I really believe that Common Ground is going to be Common Ground Table View, that God is going to build us like a wave. And he's going to gather people up, and this wave is going to build of people. And how this wave builds at the base so that it can be large and proud and crest and break through and create all the amazing changes and everything that God wants to do in this community is that it's going to be through acts of kindness. Kindness that touches people's hearts in a new and fresh way. And so I do believe that this theme of kindness is really, really important for us as a church. Um, If there's anything that reaches people now, it's not the glitz and the glamour. It's not all the big talk. Um, Sometimes it's not even that there's a hope. Sometimes what touches people's hearts and opens their hearts first to receive um, the truth of who Jesus is, is an act of kindness. So just share it. So maybe one of those
1: grabbed your attention as we sing. Maybe you can just prayerfully pray that back to God and um, in faith. But let's all sing together as we close our time together this morning. Over to the band. We love you. All this is for you. Our hearts are hungry for your presence and for your fame in this area, in this city, in our nation. And we thank you that we get to play this part in how you are writing your story of redemption over human history. Your large, large story from eternity past to eternity future. And you're with us at this point in this chapter. And we thank you that you are with us, that you go before us. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, just a huge thank you. Before you rush off, there's like two things I need to say, but mainly thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. It's just felt like such a rich time together, and that's mainly because of your leaning in to this moment, so thank you so much. Um, for those of you who were keen on us having a church camp, Camp Common Ground, this is it, and we're only halfway through, so you know, camp day one, we still have to sit down from today. Unfortunately, we're not, we can't just leave this up until the 26th, so everything that was put up for today, we, we need to take down. Um, And then tomorrow is the closing of an enormous chapter in the story of Common Ground and of our lives. It's our last Sunday in Tableview High School, and um, we we really care about finishing strong there. And so let's um, get there with grateful hearts for everything God's done in the last five years and, and really leave that place with a sense of gratitude and also a sense of faith for what's coming next. And what's coming next is our big move, of course. So everything needs to get across from there Back to here and unpacked. We have quite a a hopefully well oiled system that's going to get everything here and get it in well. Um, But we are asking if you are available tomorrow to stick around after the meeting to pack a box, load up a bucky, um, and possibly um, a few of us are going to be here to unpack here as well before the launch on the 26th. And then obviously just getting friends and family, neighbors, people you've been waiting for the right moment. Um, This is it, not only the 21st, hopefully any Sunday. Um, but especially as we get into this new space with all these seats that um, God is going to fill with many new faces that he's adding to our family. Have I left anything out? Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah. Have a great afternoon.